Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. As always, you can find us online at moviebabblereviews.com. And this week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we break down the opening weekend of Shazam with an exclamation mark and Pet Cemetery. So breaking down this week's top five, we've got Shazam uh, with an exclamation point in the number one spot with 53.45 million, followed by Pet Cemetery, also opening this week with 25 million. Uh, Dumbo is coming in at 18.2 million. Us in the number four spot at 13.8 million. And Captain Marvel rounds out the top five with 12.6 million. So it's a pretty decent uh, weekend for the box office. Uh, pretty solid start for Shazam, especially because it didn't have as large a budget as a lot of the other DCEU films. It's only at about $100 million, so it's off to, to a really good start. I know I saw it and enjoyed it. Uh, shameless plug, but my review's on the site. Um, I want to know. You've seen it uh, already correctly, right? Yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's really goofy, and I really enjoyed that. Um, just down, even down to the Shazam costume having so much padding for muscles that it's just clear that they're fake muscles, which is just really, really funny to me. Um, yeah. But this, yeah, this movie is just really goofy and it's very shameless in how goofy it is. And I really enjoyed that. It's, I laughed hysterically when, um, oh, how do you say his name? Jimon Huntsu, I butchered that ridiculously, but he shows up and he's just in his wizard outfit and he looks hilarious. And that's just the entire movie. It's just really fun. And it seems like that, it struck the same chord with just regular audience members as well. And the cinema score was really high and a uh, people really liked it and it's hundred, hundred million dollar budget. And it's already made a hundred and about 159 million worldwide. Um, this movie was never going to make like billions and billions of dollars, but I could really see this movie kind of having, it's good. It's like a comedy drop off where it drops like 30 or 20, 20, 30% every single week. And just really just sticks around for a while because it's, it's just fun. And I think this is one of the last, this is one of the few superhero movies that really skews towards like younger kids. And I don't know about your screen, but my screen was full of kids and they were, they were hooping and hollering like the entire time they loved it. And there was like a whole group of kids that just like, just stood up like and cheered, like there was no tomorrow. So this movie is just fun, and I think that's just kind of something that's missing in the superhero universe, and especially as we get to, like, Endgame. It just feels like it's a quaint little thing that I think people really resonated with. Yeah. I mean, I saw this Friday afternoon, so uh, all the kids were still in school, but <laughs> it's it's really just everybody that was in this movie, you can tell they're just having fun with it. Um, I mean, Zachary Levi's just having a hell of a time running oh, around. So great. Pretending to shoot lightning from his fingers. <laughs> and... <laughs> And like you, everybody is just over the top, like you were saying, with the padded muscles and the costumes, and it's just a really fun movie. It really, it really reminds me of like uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming or Thor: Ragnarok, where it's just nobody really cares what's going on. Like, yeah, there are stakes, but there aren't really stakes. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I'm excited to see DC kind of branching off from Zack Snyder which I think mm-hmm. is a is a good step for them. And, you know, Aquaman was different than a lot of the other DC movies, but I felt like it was still really pretentious. 
Oh uh, yeah, I just I just didn't. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's too much movie for me. Whereas with Shazam, like they know what they have. They don't try to overcomplicate it. Everything's bright, colorful. You get through your your story beats, and and then you go home and you had a good time. So I I have very few complaints with this movie. Yeah, it's and it's another. You mentioned a couple other movies that it reminds you of, and I think this is actually a really good comparison to it, which is Ant Man, because when you factor in this movie made 53 million us and when you factor in it's like about 3 million that it made when it came out a few weeks ago for that little open that little preview to generate buzz around it it's right around 56 so an ant-man is right around 57 million for its opening so i think these movies are really good just indicators of how i think shazam's going to perform pretty closely to ant-man which went on to make over i think it's over 600 million which i think is pretty fair so it's i think it's really funny to see kind of see the mirroring image between those two and they're both kind of the same where they both don't really take each other seriously and the lead character or whether it's Paul Rudd or Zachary Levi just are just doing fun things in front of the camera and people seem to enjoy them um yeah this is just it was just kind of a brush of a breath of fresh air honestly it was it was two hour and 15 minute movie and it didn't really feel like that at all it was just just going by itself and one thing to note my Philadelphia bias really came into this movie with it being, I was shocked to see that this movie was taking place in Philadelphia, which is really fun. Um, so with, there's a nice cameo by Gino Stakes in there. Uh, but it's, I, this, there's, this movie is going to do really well. It's the opening isn't unbelievably crazy, um, but it's, it's doing, it's going to do well. It's going to hold really well. I think people are going to go see it again and again, because it's just kind of one of those movies where, the jokes are coming so quickly that you just kind of want to go back and see them again. So DC and Warner brothers are just, they're figuring out. And I, this is, I think this is like, cause even though Aquaman was kind of the start of something new with DC, like Shazam was really the first movie to go into production after Warner brothers had their big uh, executive shakeup uh, where that, which has just happened again, if you want to read into the Kevin Sujahara uh, accusations, which are very troubling. But mm-hmm. that's that's another discussion for another day. But <laughs> Shazam was basically the first movie to kind of start out with like their new idea of, we're just going to tell stories, and they don't have to all be connected, and we're just going to do that, and all, all our movies are going to be better because of it. Um, I know we're going to talk about Joker a little later, which I'm really excited about. But I think this is just, this is just a sign that it, those movies before the old DC movies, it was, there was just a lot of just upheaval and just like trouble in those productions. Um, it's just it was just kind of unfortunate, and the people involved, like Zack Snyder, took a lot of a lot of the issues, like a lot of the brunt of all that. So um, yeah, it's just nice. This just just feels like kind of like a rebirth for DC. It's just fun. And uh, one last note uh, with the exclamation point. Ever since Mother came out. Like two years ago, I've just every time a movie has an exclamation point, I just yell it. So when people, I was talking to my girlfriend and she said, "Well, what movie? What movie did you see?" And I just yelled Shazam at her, and she was just like really startled. And I was like, "Ah, oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm the only one on this inside joke." <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, really surprised. <laughs> yeah, good, good job, Warner Brothers. I, sorry, go ahead. I was really surprised, like how much I enjoyed it, and again, kind of like comparing it to Ant Man, it really has pretty minimal stakes. And especially in the wake of how super serious all the DC movies have been, it just felt nice to just watch a superhero actually be a superhero or like, you know, because in the movie, 
um, when Billy gets the superpowers, he has no idea what he's doing. And he yeah. has no idea what he's doing with them for most of the movie. And I just really enjoyed that aspect of it because it's like, yeah, if I woke up one day and could shoot lightning and was bulletproof and all this, I would have no idea what was going on. <laughs> and so you really get to see that part of the journey, which most of the time gets cut out in a montage. And so I, I really enjoyed it on those grounds as well. Yeah, it's it's one of the few superhero movies that understands the wish fulfillment of it all. Because like we, we're growing up in all these movies and kids are watching them and they're like, wow, superheroes, this is so cool. But then a lot of the movies that they're watching are just like those superheroes are like, oh, having superpowers is the worst. And I have to deal with all this legislation and this is just awful. And this is just one of those few movies where it's like, no, like having these powers is incredible. Like, yeah, it's takes some getting used to, but this is so cool. And like, this is so much fun and I can't wait to use my powers. So I really appreciate that. Shazam's a fun movie and I really hope it does well in future weeks. I mean, it's pretty impressive that they were able to put out a Captain Marvel sequel in less than a month. So <laughs> there we go. Um, so I think that kind of wraps it up for Shazam, but moving on to Pet Cemetery, the uh, Jason Clark remake. Which I was excited when I saw the cast for this when this was announced. I think yeah, Jason Clark, he does a really good job because he, he's not necessarily a very well-known actor. I mean, he, he is if you watch a lot of movies and talk about movies a lot. But overall, he's not just a huge star, but I really enjoy him and everything he's in. So I'm excited to see him in this. Uh, John Lithgow is incredible in everything as well. Um, I mean, I grew up with him as uh, Lord Farquaad and Shrek, so I can't ever <laughs> unsee that anytime he's in a movie. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, what did you think? Um, yeah, so I saw this movie this weekend, and so a lot of people have a lot of love for the first Pet Cemetery. It's one of those movies kind of like, I feel like Space Jam, where it's like the nostalgia goggles just really hit people hard in this movie because it's, it's not great. Um, it's really goofy. And like the idea, I mean, the idea of it, it's Stephen King, the idea of having like this, like fear of death and grief, grief, like coming back to haunt you is just such a great idea for a movie. I've like, we were talking before we came on, I'm just like, even if you've never seen Pet Cemetery before, you've seen Pet Cemetery just because it's just everywhere in the public consciousness. Um, but yeah, I just I actually just saw the first one from the 80s this weekend as well in preparation for the movie. And the new one is... It's basically the same movie. Um, it's probably if you're going if you're going to pair it, it's probably the more competently made of the two. But I mean, you can't really argue with like was this new Pet Cemetery necessary or not? Because I mean, it's the same movie, so you're just kind of just seeing an update of it. Uh, there's a few little twists in there, and there's like the last image of it is actually really horrifying for what it what it what it kind of like leads you off with, and it's just kind of really creepy. Um, but this movie is just incredibly competent, but I just really couldn't get excited about anything in it. Um, like you, like Jason Clark is like one of my like favorite character actors. I just really have a soft spot for him. I think he's a great actor that, yeah, if you, like, like you said, if you've seen a movie, you're like, oh, I know that guy. Uh, he's good. He's an actor. He's a professional actor doing things. Um, so yeah, the cast is really good and it's just not something I got, got really excited about, um, and it seems like a lot of audiences felt the same way. Like it, its cinema score was a C plus, which really isn't good because anytime you get like in the B range or below for cinema score, it's not a very good indication of how the movie will perform in terms of legs. Um, so, I mean, this movie isn't super expensive. It was 20 million, 
21 million uh, for its production budget and Paramount likes to pay people up front so there's probably no points on the back end or anything like that so anything they make is pure profit probably um, but they marketed the shit out of this movie it's been everywhere and so 25 million isn't isn't bad but I'm worried that this movie just isn't going to perform well over the next few weeks um, it's just it's it's just it's it's a tough movie to kind of really get into because there's really nothing to like take away it's it's just very self-serious and there's no nothing really new that I can really can kind of show to the audience there's just not much there so um, it was fine but I just I think this movie is just going to kind of wither away kind of quickly which is kind of a bummer but hey 25 million dollar opening is pretty good as far as studio expectations went um, it's right on line with that so just a matter of how it does in future weeks which like I said it's probably not going to do that well but yeah it's 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 a movie it's kind of funny um, to see this this is kind of we're kind of far enough away from it which was just the most ridiculous like breakaway box office hit back in 2017 and we're kind of starting to see like like when the time that after that movie was a big hit where all the other studios are like all right what Stephen King properties do we have and what can we do with it and now we're starting to see those movies come back uh, we have Dr. Sleep coming later this year which is the sequel to The Shining directed by Mike Flanagan who's actually done another Stephen King adaptation before with Gerald's Game uh, so we're starting to see that that's something interesting to think to look at as we kind of move forward with the box office. We're going to see more Stephen King, and I think this is just the first of many. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's not a lot to talk about here about this movie. It's if you've seen the original Pet Cemetery, it's just that, but just not as goofy. So it's, it's, yeah. it exists. <laughs> well, Stephen King is always really hit and miss at the box office. So like mm-hmm. talking about it, he had the Dark Tower. I mean, like he didn't have it, but it was, it was another one of his works. That was yep. earlier that summer that was one of the biggest flops of the year. And then he has one of the biggest hits of the year. Literally not even, I don't even think it was a full month later. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's always, his works are always weird because sometimes they come off and they're adapted really well. And they're just classics like The Shining, especially. Um, and then other times they're just kind of there. So like if you go on Netflix or Hulu and you search up Stephen King, there's at least 10 movies you've never heard of that are just kind of sitting there and uh unfortunately i think pet cemetery might end up being one of those i feel like it's one of his more well-known stories and so it it kind of carries that that weight with it but overall yeah it's it's another stephen king movie yeah he's he's just a really tough author to adapt because i mean it was beat to death with and everyone was talking about it but like that movie i mean that book is just like two thousand pages long and it's like these crazy just like tomes that just goes on all, all, all these tangents and has all this detail. And like, that's so hard to adapt to a movie sometimes. And I feel like that's kind of the issue would when you have like certain creative teams, like they just don't quite know how to wrap their heads around what he's doing. Cause he's just a beautiful mind level of just like horror and thriller ideas. And it's just, he's, he's yeah, he's just really tough to deal with. And I don't, I mean, the directors of the New Pet Cemetery did admirably. Like, it's really well shot, and it's very like all the acting is really good. They're really good with the actors, especially the little girl who's really really creepy in this movie. But there's just yeah, there's just it's it's missing that it factor that you would like to see. Um, so it's just I don't really have yeah, it's just not going to do very well. I don't think in future weeks. But hey, it already made back its production budget, so maybe that's a silver lining for Paramount. So I don't know. Well, I think it's to be determined with this movie. 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be something to catch on Netflix around October. So yeah, probably. I think that's that's its that's its fate. I think that's that's a good one. That's uh, Stephen King really thrives there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of moving on from Pet Cemetery, Dumbo apparently cannot fly for very long. Had a sixty percent drop. Yep, <laughs> I'm full <laughs> of them. So Dumbo is uh, had a pretty steep drop, about sixty percent this week. And it really is going to struggle to make back its budget. It's only at seventy-six million domestically so far. It had a budget of about one hundred and seventy million, uh, which was even larger than the estimated budget for Captain Marvel. Um, so Dumbo is is really struggling. Yeah, we talked about this a lot last week, where we just didn't see where this budget was going into. And I finally saw the movie with this week. I caught up with it over the weekend, and there was a lot of just practical sets made in this movie with a lot of just a lot of extras and that movie that that kind of cost just adds up for this movie but it's still a curious decision to make this movie 170 million dollars um it's just it's just not going to make that kind of money and it's making 213 right now uh worldwide and you would have you would have hoped that would have been its opening weekend gross rather than after its second weekend uh, and that sixty percent drop is just not very good uh, for for its prospects going forward. Um, but I will say there's one really interesting bit about this movie since I finally started to since I finally saw it. I feel like I'm going off on another tangent, but bear with me here. <laughs> it's it's as we mentioned last week. It's kind of the original in like the first like forty five minutes, then a sequel to it, and mm-hmm. that sequel. I mean, I want I want to. I don't want to go full into this because I might write about this because I find it really fascinating, but it just seems like to me, it struck me like that the Michael Keaton character was just Disney, just, just Walt Disney. And they were using Dumbo as a commodity and they were throwing him out in front of audiences again and again. And it just, in the wake of this Fox purchase, it just struck me as such an interesting comment on that. And I don't know if that was on purpose, <laughs> or and or and Disney just didn't notice it, or what. But it, it just there were so many parallels there that I found really fascinating, and that's been like a lot of the talk about this movie, how it's just a commodity that they're throwing out in front of people. Um, it's really interesting uh, from that perspective, but um, that's not going to save it at the box office. Obviously, that's just me and my weird thoughts as I'm sitting there watching this bloated movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just. With more movies, we have we can we have Hellboy and things like that, and Endgame and everything else coming out in the future weeks. I just don't see this movie doing very well, and it'll probably get past three hundred million, maybe worldwide. But other than that, like I just don't really see a life for this movie. What about you? Uh, I mean, Disney can afford it, so yeah. I mean, they're not <laughs> they're not shuddering over this movie, so <laughs> like it's just it's just weird. It's just a weird case for them. I just don't really know if it was necessary. Yeah, it it feels obligatory, and I don't you know I don't really know anybody that's like, oh man, Dumbo is is my Disney movie. You know, like I understand when when they remake Aladdin or even Cinderella and stuff that is you know legitimate like top tier Disney. And Dumbo's just a weird choice, especially to give to Tim Burton. Um, yeah. I think he did an admirable job with what he could do with it. He just couldn't really do a lot with it. And, yeah, that's kind of where it's at now. Yeah. I mean, it's his best-looking movie in a really long time. I know we oh, talked yeah. about this last week. But, yeah, it's just 
it's just it, it's an odd fit. You would have think like if you're gonna do a Dumbo remake, like that's fine, but like you may want to make it the price point a little lower than Captain Marvel. <laughs> I just yeah. like maybe like put it at ninety or hundred million. I think that's pretty reasonable. But I just I've I mean we've talked this to death, but I just I just don't see it with this movie. It's just so weird. It just it's just Disney makes weird choices like this from time to time, and it just kind of confounds me. It's just it's just odd. Yeah, but I mean, if if you have money to make seventy billion dollar purchases, you can you can afford to lose a couple. That's know, very true. You can, <laughs> you can afford to lose seventy million on Dumbo. Right, exactly. And then we move. I mean, we'll talk to Captain Marvel later, but it's just they're they're fine. We should. Yeah, they're, they're okay. <laughs> so before we um, beat Captain Marvel to death again, we have us <laughs> at thirteen million. It's still going decently strong. Um, I mean, it had about a 60% drop off this week. I feel like a lot of that just comes from Pet Cemetery opening up. Um, yeah, it's I got agree. a little bit more horror competition. But, I mean, th- this is another runaway success for Jordan Peele. So I don't think anybody's upset with $13.8 million this week. Yeah, it, it crossed a few uh, milestones. It, it crossed $150 million at the domestic box office and $200 million worldwide. So it's doing really well there, and it's getting closer and closer to Get Out's number, worldwide number, which was 255. Um, and it'll, it'll probably get that soon. But it's just, yeah, there's really not much to talk about here. It's just the drop was definitely because of Pet Cemetery and that competition, because it was holding really well in the week before. Uh, it's just, it's doing well, and it's just more just ammo for Jordan Peele to be able to go off and do his own thing with his next movie. So good job. <laughs> good job, us. Yeah, good for Jordan Peele. Yep, and, uh, <laughs> I have nothing else. <laughs> so now dipping back into Captain Marvel at yeah, number five, yeah. I don't Always really have fun. anything. <laughs> I don't really have anything newer insightful to say about it, but I'll share a little anecdote from when I went to go see it. Um, so I went to, I took my dad to see it the uh, the Friday it came out, and we went in the afternoon because we normally go at like noon on Fridays. And so I don't know if for people that haven't seen Captain Marvel, which I'd imagine most people have. Um, the beginning opens up with the usual Marvel logos, except it's little scenes of Stan Lee um, instead yeah. of the usual superhero stuff. And so the theater is kind of quiet and that wraps up. And this one guy in the front row is like, yeah, Stan. And everybody starts <laughs> clapping. And uh, That's great. That's, that's probably the most excited I've been in a movie theater in a while. Yeah, that was the most excited I was during that movie because I didn't really care for it. But Either way, uh, it's made so much money, and the, really the only things to talk about here are just the milestones it's hit. So it crossed a billion early, early this week, and it's going to probably, if I imagine we'll talk about this later with Endgame, going out, leading up to Endgame, but it's getting closer to Iron Man 3 at the domestic box office, which made $409 million. This one is sitting, Captain Marvel is sitting at 374 million so i imagine uh, if we keep on this pace that it'll probably eclipse iron man 3 which would make it the fifth highest uh, marvel mcu movie at the domestic box office of all time so that's pretty good for captain marvel it's doing really well um it's just they can toss all this extra cash from captain marvel and throw it over to dumbo's cause and disney's fine (laughs) and then they're gonna have endgame which is gonna make 500 billion dollars in its first weekend so just yeah. things are always good at Disney, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we can talk about Endgame a little bit. Um, so the uh, tickets went on sale this week, 
and yeah. it beat the previous record for 24-hour pre-sales within six hours. And I've seen estimates as high as like 800 million for its opening weekend worldwide, which is just crazy, absolutely insane. Um, like this movie could hit a billion dollars in like five days. And yeah, I've I've even heard. Sorry to interrupt here, but I've I've even heard like the possibilities of high end possibilities of being a a billion in its weekend in its first weekend, which is just one of the craziest things I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, this is this is really unprecedented like how big this movie is and it's got what three weeks until it comes out yeah it's insane how so, did, did you get your did you get your ticket how hard yeah, was that I, uh, so it, it's weird for me so we have a uh, regal um that has an imax in town and then we have the uh we have an amc on the other side of town and so like normally when i go see uh big movies i'll take my dad and we'll go on fridays but I don't want to watch this movie a day late either. So I, uh, I got my Friday tickets at, at the Regal really easy. It took me like two minutes in the app. And then the AMC app was down for me all day. So yeah, I eventually snuck my way into some side seat for Thursday evening. But yeah, yeah I, had uh, same, I had really bad issues with mine with AMC. I, d- I didn't realize they were on sale. I mean, it was during the work week, so I was at the office and I just check my phone and it's blowing up with like Twitter uh, notifications saying people are losing their goddamn minds over Endgame tickets. I was like, oh crap, it's going to take forever to get my ticket. And I had, because yeah, because you mentioned AMC was just down like all day and it took me, I think it took me, I had I had it open at like 9, 9.30. I had, I was in the wait list or just trying to get on AMC and it just wasn't working and I finally bought my tickets at like 3. And it was, oh, it's just, it was I mean, like I'm even me, like I'm really excited to see this movie, and I'm a little tired of Marvel movies, and it's gonna be really cool. But it's just, uh, it just took forever, and I finally got my Thursday night ticket. So hopefully, I'll just have to get to the theater like an hour and a half early so I can get a decent seat because it wasn't reserved seating. Uh, so it's just I've never seen anything like this before. It's one of the most crazy things I've ever seen as far as just the hype around a movie. Yeah, I think I mean. I'm really excited for it, but I don't think we can comprehend just how big this thing will be. Um, I know there's been predictions that it might be Avatar. I'm a little doubtful of that, but if anything could could out-earn Avatar, yeah. I feel like this is the movie to do it. I agree. And it's I've heard, I've seen like long-term tracking for it opening to be 200, 250 million opening weekend, and I think it, there's no possible way unless it's just like the worst movie ever that it makes less than Avengers uh, Infinity War it's opening weekend which was like 257 if my mind remembers correctly Um, this movie is just gonna be the biggest thing and there's gonna be it's literally all Twitter's gonna be it's all Facebook is gonna be if anyone still uses it Uh, it's just (laughs) it's gonna be the craziest thing and I'm slowly preparing my body for that inevitability this is gonna be insane yeah and it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy (laughs) this is i mean this is really unprecedented there's never been any what is this the 22nd movie i think so yeah the end of a 22 movie arc and you've got you know like thor captain america iron man are all supposedly just kind of coming to a close with this um, the Russo brothers are pretty much done after this. Um, I think 
John Favreau is kind of in a similar spot. Like he's been around since Iron Man. Uh, his involvement's kind of wrapping up. So it's a big turning point for Disney and for Marvel as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be the biggest thing in the world. Uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, but it's just, it's going to be so insane. I don't think I'm prepared yet. <laughs> it's going to overwhelm everything. <laughs> yeah, so um, stepping down in ambition quite a bit. Um, Just it didn't a make bit. the top five, but the best of enemies opened up this weekend with 4.5 million, uh, picking up picking up a decent amount of its budget back domestically. So I know you saw it this morning. How was that? Um, it went to the Green Book School of talking about <laughs> racism, uh, which is. It's actually funny. I think this movie is probably better than Green Book, which just says about I don't want to I don't want to relitigate the whole Green Book conversation. But that's just a funny note for everyone at home to think about. <laughs> but it's uh, it's a movie about well, racism told from the white guy's perspective again. So um, you've seen this before. It's just the racist white guy realizing that black people are people too. And it's just, yeah, that's, that's the movie. <laughs> there's nothing, there's really nothing much to it, which is just, it's just kind of it. And it's, it's longer than Shazam. It's just, I think Shazam was two twelve, and this movie is like two fourteen, two fifteen, which is just ridiculous. Uh, it's just, movie was just so long. I was just so excited for it to end. Um, it's just, I, I just don't really see this movie doing much. And it's four four point five million opening kind of, accents that i mean the budget was only 10 million so there's not like there's not too much cause for concern there but um i just don't really see this movie um just having any type of legs i I mean the theater the the crowd i saw it with really actually really enjoyed it they clapped afterwards but i just don't see like it's subject matter and it's length i just don't see that like contributing to any type of legs moving forward which is just yeah it's just Another dud for STX, and I just kind of want to take another <laughs> another circuitous route to talk about STX, which I, entertainment, which I just find fascinating. Uh, they just take the sloppy seconds of everything else in Hollywood and try to make money off of it. So I'm going to quickly just run through their last few movies uh, all the way through the end of or the beginning of 2018. Um, so before The Best of Enemies, they had The Upside. Then they had Second Act with Jennifer Lopez. And then Peppermint with Jennifer Garner, the Happy, the Happy Time Murders, which is your favorite movie ever made. Uh, yes, Mile twenty, Mile twenty two, uh, Mark Wahlberg just being just he has some weird disease that I don't know. Whatever that movie sucks. And then you have a drift with that good that classic a drift that everyone still talks about. Um, I feel pretty, which was Amy Schumer getting something out of her system. And then we have Gringo, which I actually saw. And that's just funny that I just remember that that was a thing. I'm just reading it just now. <laughs> and then lastly, in 2018, we had Den of Thieves. Um, so I, if that's not a murderer's row of movies, and I don't know what is. Um, they STX, I mean, they had the Valerian, which is just one of the biggest flops of the last decade uh, in 2017 as well. And they... Some of their like they make some money. Like the upside was has actually been a really like a low key success for them at the box office. And second act was kind of the same way, but they just 
they have all these movies that are like $30 million budgets and they make like 50 to $60 million, which is just not where you want to be. I mean, it'll probably keep the doors open, but that's just not going to make you any profit at all. So um, it's just they're a weird company and like it just feels like everything they do is just kind of a reaction to what everyone else does. Like this is what like the like the sixth movie in a row that Sam Rockwell has played a racist Southerner. Um, like it's just, it's just everything, everything they feel does, everything they do just feels tired. And it's just, it kind of just shows at the box office. Cause like, that's just not 4.5 million just isn't going to get it done. Um, it's just, it's not going to do anything. And it's going to just disappear. And you're going to look at it on demand one day. And it's like, Oh yeah, that was a movie that came out, but I'm probably not going to watch it. So, yeah, there, there's my there's my tenth rant of the day. This one on STX. <laughs> well, and you forgot that their next film is the highly anticipated Ugly Dolls. So, oh my god, I think I things are really turning around. I keep forgetting that I'm gonna have to see that movie. They've oh, got that. They've got the Playmobil movie <laughs> coming up this year. Yeah, I actually just in front of the Best of Enemies, I saw a trailer for this movie called Palms, P O M S, and. It's about Diane Keaton and other old ladies in a retirement home creating a cheerleading team. And so uh, so that's a movie that's coming out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I can't make this stuff up. They have The Boy 2 also coming out at some point, which everyone remembers The Boy from 2016, right? Um, it's, I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand this. If this, when I talk about these movies, it feels like I'm like I'm in the sunken place. Out. I just my my mind is just leaving my body. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Yeah, and they started off with the gift, which I thought was a, a pretty good movie. I love it. I saw it in I 2015. Yeah, and, and so they. And, yeah, go ahead. It's not like they've only ever had bad movies. I mean, they did like Hardcore Henry, which was pretty experimental and turned out pretty well in their favor but yeah they just have a lot of weird stuff thrown in there it's, they've built a lot of their clout whatever they have of that on the bad moms franchise uh so bad moms was a crazy hit for them in 2016 and they they rushed out a bad mom's christmas the next year which is just a woeful movie that i just hated so much um and then they've there's there has been talk before of a, of a bad dad's movie, um, which was supposed to come out in 2017. And, but it just, I guess, isn't happening at this point. I don't know. And they've also talked to, there's another movie in development for STX called bad moms, moms. So, uh, they're really, <laughs> they're milking that one dry because that's about all they have. Uh, I mean, I feel bad, like just, people just trying to make a living but i just don't i just don't understand what they're doing it's just best the best of entities is just another example they just don't have the right idea i think um yeah i feel like we've talked about the best of enemies enemies more than anyone else will in their lifetime <laughs> yeah um i think we've given it too much attention <laughs> yeah i'm talking way too much about this movie <laughs> move it on so so moving on to High Life opened up this weekend in a really limited release. It was just in four theaters, I believe, in just in New York and Los Angeles. Um, but it's another A24 film. I know a little bit about it, um, but I'm not, I haven't been following it too closely. But I know you are the resident A24 guy. So Yes, I am. I love my possibly pretentious uh, 
ND films. They're great. Um, no, I, I am really excited for High Life. It's another just interesting indie movie for Robert Pattinson. Uh, and this movie is apparently insane. Uh, our boy Sean Coates, shout out to him, saw it a few weeks ago at a film festival in Australia. And he said it was one of, like the, the first great movie of 2019. Uh, so that's really high praise. And I've heard other people just hate it. And that's that kind of just sounds like an A twenty four movie to me. It's just if this is if this is your kind of movie, you're probably going to adore it. And if it's not for you, then it's definitely not going to be for you. Uh, but it's just as ter- as far as indie goes, like this is just like the next big indie movie that's probably going to make its way uh, throughout the country in the next coming weeks. Um, it's definitely going to expand into at least maybe a hundred theaters next week. But uh, this is definitely one to look out for, and it opened really well over a hundred thousand four screens. So. Just something to keep our eyes on as we move forward here. Yeah, I know I'm definitely excited to see it um, once it gets a little bit more of a wide release. Yeah, it's going to be, it's, I've just heard, everything I've heard about it, it's just insane. Uh, it's, and I am, that's something I'm all about. <laughs> I don't want to see the best of enemies again. I just want to see insanity. <laughs> and I feel like A24 has pretty much been the antithesis to uh, SDX so far. Um, yes, I would agree. They, I think everything not, is the antithesis. <laughs> <laughs> they tend not to reach near like STX is reaching quite a bit with something as ambitious as Valyrian was, but this seemed an A twenty four has has their fair share of reaching. But High Life seems like a budgetary and a bit of a stretch for them. Um, yeah, so I'm glad to see them kind of moving into the, that territory. They're kind of like. Blumhouse in a sense that they never go crazy with their budgets. They always, they really, I really appreciate how they just kind of like, oh, this really interesting artist wants to make a movie. Like, sure, let them do it. And here's their money and like, go, go make your thing. And they go off and kind of do whatever they want. And they make like High Life, I think their the budget's like eight, nine million, which is just, that's solid. That's really all it needs. Uh, and it's apparently just insane with crazy imagery. And sometimes you don't need $200 million budgets to do something crazy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then they also have, they also have uh, Midsummer coming out later this year. Uh, Ari Aster's follow up to Hereditary. Uh, so they're, they, they just kind of, they do a really good job of teaming up with good creators and just creating these, these indie movies that have a built in audience. Cause at this point, if you're really into movies and you see the A24 logo before a movie, like you're probably going to go see it if you're really into it. So, uh, but just they're they're just doing really well. I think this is just the next step for them. I guarantee you this is going to be the next movie where it's it's around 90% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the audience score is just straight garbage because it'll go into way too many theaters. And general audiences will have no idea what to do with it, and they'll be like, "That sucked," <laughs> just like the yep. witch. And- it comes at night and like every other every other A24 movie that's gone to big theaters. So something well, to look forward kind of to. It's kind of funny because A24 started off in a fairly STX style. Um, so like their first year was 2013 where they were actually like heavily involved in doing things. And they had Spring Breakers and the Bling Ring. Yeah. And uh, it, So they got off to a weird start, but they've they've come a long way. Yeah, they finally just figured out. They just mirrored themselves to up-and-coming artists or people trying to break in. Like Jonah Hill worked with A24 for mid-90s last year. So they're figuring it out. They 
as far as I mean, it's kind of like an arms race now with studios. They're teaming up and buying each other, and everything is like assimilating into one. Where I think A twenty four has long lasting power to just work in this industry. I mean, I mean, I guess they teamed up with Apple, so I should stop talking. But uh, <laughs> uh, they're doing really well, and good for them. Yeah, I mean, they put out Swiss Army Man, which is an achievement in in everything. I um, love that movie so much. People, no, it, it's one of those things that I remember seeing it only because I worked at a movie theater and it was free, and I, I just fell in love with it. Like, it's such a good movie, <laughs> and nobody it's... ever really talks. Like, it only made about six million, and so nobody knows about it. But it's it's amazing. It's definitely, I think it's definitely had a life on home, on like streaming and whatnot. Cause it's, it's Daniel Radcliffe and it's a movie about a farting corpse. Uh, yeah. so I mean, I love that movie. I'm right there with you, but this is going to be a big year for A24. Like, Cause I saw, I saw a bunch of A24 movies at, uh, at Sundance early this year and they have a lot coming that's going to, that are going to make some waves like from here at the box office and at the, at the awards next year. So this is just the first of many to come out this year for them. So, yeah, and so kind of uh, talking about STX and A twenty four to death. Um, kind of a final notable event this week was the Joker trailer released, which I was a little apprehensive of um, just when they announced it because DC was going really crazy for a while and announcing sequels and spinoffs to every every character they had. Um, but the fact that Joaquin Phoenix was on board and they got Robert De Niro on board, which those two have been decently vocal about, um, not being huge fans of superhero movies or the genre in general. And so the fact that they're on board and then this trailer, I can see that there's like running with the darkness and the, I guess the, the Heath Ledger side of the character that people really attach to in the dark Knight, And they're just kind of doing their own thing. And I like that it's separate from the rest of the the DCEU, and it can just it can just be its own little experiment about how you break a person and turn him into a Batman villain. Yeah, it's it's the same. It's kind of on the same line we talked about with Shazam. It's just like its own thing. And I'm just really excited. Anytime Joaquin gets to play a demented character in anything, like I'm there because he's done it so many times at this point that it's just he's just so good at it. And every every single time he does it, it's a little different. And there's just little different quirks to it. He just really gets inside his character. And I'm, I think I am just really excited to see this movie. Um, like you, I just didn't care. I just thought the Joker is better as like a myth and a legend. You don't know much about him. I just thought the idea of creating an origin for him was pretty stupid. But this movie looks really good. I'm just interested to see what Todd Phillips does. I heard the, I'm just worried that the, the script might not be as great because that's kind of just been the issue with a lot of his movies. They've all looked pretty great. Um, they've all been sold pretty well, but I don't know. Um, really looking forward to it. That's for sure. It's, I mean, it's kind of over eager of me to say that it gave me like King of comedy vibes, but it definitely did. It's all in there. And it's, I, it's, it's interesting. I think it's just, it's just a fascinating thing that I just want to see now. Yeah. I really like the, uh, what really struck me about the trailer was the color, the, just like the tone of it, because it's yeah. filled with obviously like a lot of bright colors and you know, purples and greens, but it's also just really it, there's almost no contrast and it's not like it's very dull and it, like it visually it just like engaged me so well and all the all the shots and granted they do that in trailers they just pull out all the cool shots but yeah 
but there was just a lot there to unpack and so i'm on board i mean i'm i'm still a little worried because it's you know the guy that directed the hangover trilogy is in charge of the joker and so i'm still trying to connect those dots but but i'm on board with it from that trailer so yeah it you never know it could be his i actually kind of like the war dogs the movie he made a few years ago which is mm-hmm. like completely it was about that starred uh, Jonah Hill and uh, Miles Teller. And, uh, Miles Teller, yeah, the gun yeah. runners. Yeah, and it's like completely like just like a, from the American perspective, and like look at us, great Americans doing stuff in the Middle East and whatnot. And that's part of me thought that was kind of the point because all the, the both of those characters were assholes, and I don't know. But either way, I kind of like that movie, and I think with the right script, uh, Todd Phillips can do some really good things because he's really, I think he's kind of in that Zack Snyder mold where he really kind of he's really good at being like at the at the imagery side of it all all of his movies look really great and it's just a matter of getting like the right people involved in the right script with him so i'm really hoping i mean the only act that's a great cast that you mentioned earlier it's kind of absurd how good it is so you have zazie beats in there too and brian tyree yeah. henry so uh it's i i'm really i have my fingers crossed for it i hope it's really good because i just it's just something different from, I mean, after Endgame, I'm going to be probably a little exhausted of superhero movies for a while. So it's just nice to have something different. And then Yeah, I and it's just, nice. Go ahead. It's nice that it, it's going to be unburdened by the rest of the DC universe. Because yeah. it, which, you know, I feel like we haven't really had that in a while. I mean, everybody's been on the, the shared universe kick since, what, 2008 at this point. And so it's, it's honestly, it's really refreshing to see something that doesn't have to worry about staying in line with anything. And so I'm really excited to see it just kind of go in its own direction and and be its own thing without having to build off into a bigger universe. Yeah, I think this, it just kind of goes back to what we talked about with Shazam, I think. And it's DC, the DCU, I think they, they've unofficially, officially rebranded themselves as the worlds of DC. Uh, I think they did that a few like at Comic Con last year or something like that. But either way, um, it just kind of shows that they they're just more focused on creating single uh, singular movies from different voices, and that it just be interesting because we're so saturated with superhero movies and just blockbuster and IP fare in general that you just kind you have to do something a little different now to stand out. Um, it kind of reminds me of just like the revisionist western coming into coming into the public consciousness. You just got to do something different. We can't, we won't just watch people shoot guns and be old timey heroes for forever. You know, it's just, you yeah. gotta do something different. So, um, yeah, it just, it just looks really good. I'm really hoping I'm really, really hoping. Yeah. My hopes are high. And so I can't wait to see what they do with it. And that kind of, uh, wraps up everything for this week. So we'll be back next week with Hellboy, which I'm, I'm excited for. I'm also apprehensive, and I, yeah, I don't I know I how it's going to play out. Yeah, it looks metal as fuck, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> yeah, I loved uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, two Hellboy movies, but I'm excited to see David Harbor run with the character, and they really take it into a uh, more of a darker and an R-rated direction. So, high hopes for that one. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. Again, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And feel free to join us next week as we talk about the opening weekend of Hellboy.